This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, this week, I went on a field trip to the Museum of Contemporary Art to see an exhibition that tells the story of the over 100,000 Puerto Ricans who call the Chicago area home. I got to say, this is a show that you don't want to miss. Entre Horizontes, Art and Activism Between Chicago and Puerto Rico, centers the Windy City in the narrative of the Puerto Rican diaspora. Now, it features historic photographs and newspaper clippings highlighting Puerto Rican resilience, audio and video, sculpture installations, printmaking, paintings, you name it. Carla Acevedo Yates is the Marilyn and Larry Fields curator at the museum and the curator of this particular exhibition. Good to have you back on Reset, Carla. I'm happy to be here, Sasha. Bibiana Suarez is an artist and professor of art at DePaul University. Her work is featured in the exhibition. Thanks for being here, Bibiana. Saludos. And Edra Soto is an artist and co-director of the Franklin. That's an outdoor gallery space in Humboldt Park, and her work is also being featured by the MCA. Welcome back. Thank you. So in English, Carla, uh, the name of the exhibition, Entre Horizontes, means Between Horizons. So, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm making the connection of, you know, looking out over the horizon line, uh, Lake Michigan here in Chicago. And then I'm also knowing that it's the same horizon that you can see over the Caribbean Sea when you're in, you know, Puerto Rico. What does it mean to you? So when I moved here in 2019, that was something that became really um, resilient of home, Mm. of thinking about this horizon over Lake Michigan and this expanse of water that resembles the Caribbean Sea. I moved here in the summertime. Um, So I thought that for this exhibition in particular, it was really important to make those connections and to have the metaphor of the horizon as two places that are so geographically distant but so close to each other through different processes of migration. Yeah. Uh, this theme of, of connecting two places, it's reflected in, in the many styles of, of the works that we see on display in the exhibition, since you know several artists are using printmaking techniques, um, which for that, that literally moves paint from one surface to another. Right. So tell us more, though, about the significance of printmaking in, in Puerto Rico and some of the printmaking techniques that we can see on display. So printmaking has been a really important medium and tradition for the shaping of contemporary art. There were a lot of artists that used to work in printmaking workshops that were founded by the Puerto Rican government, but they were also painters. Mm -hmm. So there's already a a big tradition of painters who use printmaking techniques Mm -hmm. and who trained as as printmakers. So in the exhibition, what I'm trying to think about is painters, um, specifically artists that have migrated to Chicago Mm -hmm. to study at the Art Institute of Chicago and other institutions that use printmaking techniques and approaches. Yeah, speaking of migration, I mean, we see that on display in the themes of of the exhibition, and it doesn't come as a surprise, really, right? Um, uh, The the exhibition looks at experiencing love and loss from a distance, right? uh, experiencing a, a fading sense of home or having uh, faded memories of home and uh, anti-colonial resistance too. So, as a curator, what does that tell you about the experience of Puerto Ricans, both on the island and the mainland? I think that it goes back to the title of the show, "Between Horizons." I think this idea of like, or a question that I ask myself: What is it like to live? and to think and to feel between two horizons. And I think that's the experience of a lot of diasporic communities, Mm -hmm. in particular the Puerto Rican community. And then that structure of the two horizons becomes a way to think about the exhibition that brings together social justice and the art historical. So I think that 
Um, as Puerto Ricans, we navigate all of these different things, different identities, um, different places, two different languages. Um, so it's a way to think about identity formation through technique, um, but also to think about Chicago as a center for Puerto Rican activism and liberation. Because usually we think about New York in these general narratives. That's true. Exactly. So the idea is to reposition and recenter Chicago um, as an important cultural enclave for Puerto Rican migration. Yeah. Let's bring you in here, Edra. Your installation, Tropical American, it, it also reflects the themes that we're talking about here. Um, you know, this blurring of, of political and, and national identities. Describe it for us, for the person who hasn't seen it, and, and tell us where the inspiration came from. Thank you. Uh, Tropical American is... Uh, uh, they are representations of the Puerto Rican flag, the Chicago flag, and the American flag uh, in a, a recontextualized. I was uh, doing a residency at the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation, where uh, this is in Captiva, uh, Florida, and... Uh, in my experience uh, during the residency, I had to uh, bike on a on a trail, and this trail was uh, made uh, with uh, it was a man-made trail mm-hmm. with uh, numerous uh, very uh, large <laughs> um, tropical plants mm-hmm. that um, I kept looking at every day and. Um, tropical plants always remind me of my home and the backyard and, and my mother yeah. who was a, an avid um, you know um, 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 cultivator I guess yeah uh-huh. and um, I I started using the, the plants to make patterns and weave uh, colors and and um, very much crafted this um, this these flags it's um, absolutely stunning, and it's it's a, it's like a showstopper in, the, in this in this piece for sure. Thank you. Um, you know, the, there's this long history between Puerto Rican artists and the Art Institute of Chicago, and all three of you attended school there, from my understanding. No, not you, Carla. Not me. Not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you did, Viviana. Yes, I did. You did. Uh, talk about the uh, the impact that the institute and the city have on you. Uh, very much so. I actually, um, one of the aspects of the exhibition that is interesting that is multi-generational. And um, the first artist in the more contemporary time that came to the Art Institute was Arnaldo Roche Ravel. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's no longer alive. But um, he was very no, very well known in the island already. So... Um, People already knew about him and associated him with the school, and that intrigued some others to come and look at the school. But actually, uh, when I came, I was the second student at the school, and later on, I had the opportunity to uh, organize some recruiting events at in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. uh, for the school that then also got to disseminate information about the school programs, especially the graduate school, the the graduate programs, because in Puerto Rico to this day, there's not an MFA or Master of Fine Arts, which is our terminal degree. 
So that's why so many are Correct. arriving here and attending Correct. that school. Uh, did you have a similar experience, Edra? Yeah, Arnaldo Rocha was the the point of reference. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, at the time I was an undergrad uh, uh, at Escuela de Artes Plásticas de Puerto Rico, which is, they changed the name to Escuela de Arte y Diseño. And um, at, at the time I also was represented by a gallery called Botello and the, the director, Maud Duquela, um, she represented Arnaldo Roche and during my years there, uh, she told me, if you go to grad school, you, you should go to the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. And, and Arnaldo had great success there, and they celebrate Puerto Rican culture there. And so it was... Um, the word got out. The word got out, <laughs> yes. Um, so, Carla, like the Art <clears throat> Institute, uh, the MCA's got this long history with Puerto Rican and other Caribbean artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about Rafael Ferrer's 1972 solo show uh, at the MCA and also more recent work that you've done there that we have talked about on this program yeah, we have. before. Um, Ferrer is featured in this exhibition, too. So talk about his piece and some of the other standout works. So that's one thing that really surprised me when I came to the MCA in Chicago, that the MCA has the largest public collection of works by Rafael Ferrer. Um, and they were donated by a couple of collectors in St. Louis. Okay. And Rafael Ferrer had a solo exhibition at the MCA in 1972 that was titled Museo. Um, And that exhibition included a lot of works that were inspired by trips that he made to the Field Museum. So he went to the Field Museum and he saw the dioramas. He was inspired to create his own museum of natural history, as he may call it. Um, So for that show, he created a mural um, that um, says Museo or Museum in Spanish. And in conversation with him, um, we decided to recreate that mural in 2023, uh, much larger and much more prominent. Yes. So it is that mural that welcomes visitors right when you come into the galleries that says ah. Museo or Museum. That is Rafael. So he's behind that one, yes. He's mm-hmm. behind that one, which looks so contemporary, like you did it today, right? That's right. <laughs> it's yeah, incredible. I had no idea until he's you said it. He's at 90 years young and still doing incredible work. Wow. But for me, it's so significant, not only because as we transition to a fully bilingual museum, which is something that we have spoken about on the show, mm-hmm. um, the word Museo, so the Spanish word, was in our building um, already in 1972. Um, but also, it's we are creating a museum within a museum. It's kind of this uh, Puerto Rican occupation, I would like to say, yeah. at the MCA of Puerto Rican artists and culture. Uh, so, Bibiana, you are actually making your um, your MCA debut in Entre Horizontes. Is correct. that correct? Yes. I, how does that feel? <laughs> You're part of a, a pretty big moment. Um. It feels very good, of course, to be included and especially to be included among this group and the significance of the exhibition Um, and to um, just be a little humorous to the side um, is after 43 years on the ground, as I call it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to get a little respect. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Tell me more. So, the, an inclusion of the work, meaning and realization. But the piece that I have in the in the work, um, Carla was interested in it because it marked a particular moment. It's actually Huracan. Huracan. It's, it's a so drawing. Beautiful. It's a very large drawing, a pastel drawing that um, that I did in 1991 as part of a series that I call "In Search of an Island." 
And uh, the series was uh, my response to a dilemma that had occurred that year about uh, the possibility or not of Puerto Rico uh, organizing a plebiscite to decide a permanent status for the island. I see. And after 33 months of debates between Congress and uh, Puerto Rican Congress, uh, the final recommendation was that uh, Puerto Rico could go ahead and do the plebiscite, but the United States wouldn't recognize officially the results of it. So that enraged many of us because we have basically been uh, denied the right of self-determination. Mm. Um, so I'm representing the island here at the peak of a surf formation, uh, vulnerable and small being beaten by a storm. Uh, so the storm was a political storm, ah. in my view. But when Maria came up, that's that particular drawing and others in the series really felt to me like a premonition. I love that. It's there's so much more to it. It's not just a hurricane, which is what you know the, the translation there. And for those who have not seen it, I mean, it's a striking seven foot pastel painting of of a hurricane. And it what I loved was that it, it kind of forced me to. I didn't know if I was looking. Was I looking through it? I, I you know, it, it almost felt like I, I was trying to see all these layers, and it, it was it was just mind blowing. Okay. Really Actually, well done. Uh, Carla spoke about, and both Carla and Adrian spoke about uh, the technical qualities of the work, and you were asking questions about pre making or so. In this case, it's drawing, mm-hmm. but um, when I draw, I use prominently the subtracting method, which is when you're drawing with an eraser. And the way I did those drawings, I would do uh, different layers of color, beginning with very bright color first, and then the darkest color on top. And then I will come in and remove pigment with the eraser. So the light creates that swirl. And then the light came from kind of inside the drawing. Um, so very interesting. Uh, I, so, I stood there for a yeah. long time, and I, I thought the lady was going to tell me, "Okay, move along now." <laughs> and I used to, I used to actually describe that process with the eraser as one of excavation, excavating my own identity. Oh, so or my own, my own um, worries and concerns mm-hmm. about Puerto Rico. Edra, the the art in the exhibition, uh, the archival materials too, right, about grassroots organizations, they show that Puerto Ricans have been part of the social fabric of this city for a long time, more than 80 years. What does it mean to you then to be included in this, right? It's centering Chicago as this place of prominence in the Puerto Rican diaspora. Yeah, I'm I'm deeply honored to, you know, I feel validated. Um, Um... I've been in Chicago over 20 years, so it means a lot to be a part of this exhibition and, and celebration of of the different communities that that form the Puerto Rican communities in Puerto Rico. Um, the archive is so is so important and and also so so touching and so interesting and so human. Mm. Uh, I listen to some of the stories uh, that really kind of help you connect and imagine you know, uh, the life of the Puerto Rican uh, during that time. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, the very interesting part of the exhibition is that the art, I think, speaks about our experience, like Viviana and my experience and other artists that, that went to 
uh, to college and to grad school yeah. and, and have that, um, just that experience and, mm-hmm. and then the history of, of the neighborhood. And uh, these, are, these are two things that are colliding in this exhibition that I think is important to point out because they, um, I think they are somewhat um, uh, maybe, I don't know if this is the right word, but maybe th- there's a, a type of s- separation there that I think, uh, I still think if haven't haven't fully come together. Mm. Uh, but maybe because um, I always think about <laughs> I always think about um, leadership in these communities and the leadership that we we depend on as artists yeah. that we can count on. And you know, I've, I as an artist, I have traveled so much, and I feel like I have experienced different types of Puerto Rican communities in mm-hmm. in different parts of the United States. Yeah. And and I think we we still have work to do here in the yeah. the Puerto Rican. You you have some interesting perspective though, you know, with yeah. those travels. I just, yeah, I think it's just being real about yeah. uh, about this. I care I care deeply. I have participated as well from uh, like cultural events and such. Yeah. But there's I think there's much more than that can be done uh, for for this to to come fully together. You know, I'm curious, Carla, mm-hmm. how you feel. You're, I'm hearing Edra say, you know, I feel validated. Bibiana said, I feel respected. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to hear that. Um, I mean, I feel so honored to be organizing this exhibition at the MCA um, and just really also included within the community. I'm a new arrival, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I arrived four years ago. Um, and when I came to the community with this idea, they really received me so well. Um, they're so welcoming. Um, they open, you know, their houses, their homes, their archives, their personal archives. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that material is, is in the exhibition. Um, there's a lot of personal photographs um, and uh, personal materials that are coming together to tell this really important story. Yeah. I'll give you the last word, Viviana. <laughs> the last word. No, I was thinking that... Um, Two points. First, uh, what Edra said about uh, the connection between those of us that are being educated in the arts and in that arena with the community is very true, but I would like to highlight that there are some wonderful things happening in uh, what is now called Puerto Rico Town. That's actually an official uh, name with the Centro Cultural Luis Belvi and the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and culture, and as well as the Puerto Rican Arts Alliance that emphasizes the music aspect of it. Uh, And then last, uh, um, the reason this is happening now, and it didn't happen, let's say, in 1990, is because uh, when the the multiculturalism project, if you will, came to the scene, uh, there was a lot of advocacy, both at the local level and in the national level, for um, to have curators from our communities that understood and had a better uh, knowledge uh, of it. And and this is why it's happening, yeah. because now those programs were created, the curators are here, and the shows curators are beginning like to happen. Correct. Yeah, we will leave it there for now. We've been talking with Bibiana Suarez and Edra Soto, who are Chicago-based artists 
featured in Entre Horizontes, Art and Activism Between Chicago and Puerto Rico. Thank you both so much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And we're back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Now, in 1940, there were fewer than 300 Puerto Ricans living in Chicago. Within 30 years, that number rose to nearly 80,000. Despite being U.S. citizens, Puerto Rican transplants faced a lot of hurdles on the mainland. Their struggles informed a unique diasporic identity and gave birth to social movements and political activism. Now, the history of this activism in Chicago is one part of a new exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago called Entre Horizontes, Art and Activism Between Chicago and Puerto Rico. Its curator, Carla Acevedo Yates, is still with us. And joining us now is Merida Rua, professor of Latino and Latina studies at Northwestern University. Professor Rua is the author of A Grounded Identidad, Making New Lives in Chicago's Puerto Rican Neighborhoods. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Carla, the exhibition, it's, uh, it, it centers Chicago within this larger story, as we've talked about, of the Puerto Rican diaspora. What about the centering of Chicago makes this exploration of, of Puerto Rican art and activism unique, you would say? It makes it unique not only because so many artists um, came here um, to study. Um, as we know, there's no formal um, MFA programs on the island, but I realized when I um, visited here and came here to live in 2019 that there really is no other place in the world like Paseo Boricua. There really isn't. Um, and Paseo Boricua was this um, affirmation and is an affirmation of, of Puerto Rican identity, this economic, political, and cultural space that was a response to gentrification and displacements of Puerto Ricans all over Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to tell that story alongside um, the artistic and the art historical. Well, Professor, what do you think? Why is centering Chicago important in this story? Well, I was really proud of the fact that, first of all, this exhibit has gone up and and how it's been received by community members um, because of the ways that they do see themselves reflected, I think, in the images. And, And for some, it really is their first time actually engaging with contemporary art. And so what it allows us to also see with the, with the booth that has the archival materials is give a sense of grounding that history and that for Chicago, what made it really important is the fact that the, one of the earliest kind of migration of critical mass um, was recruited domestic workers. But the way that that story tends to be tell, told is very much from a male perspective. Mm. And in fact, it was female domestic workers who wind up organizing with female graduate students, Puerto Rican graduate students, who are at a different institution, the University of Chicago in the 1940s. And their struggles together to to help the the domestic workers especially um, gain better better employment, right, living conditions, Mm -hmm. it actually had to change the policy um, in terms of what the island was doing and and the recruitment of Puerto Ricans to Chicago, uh, labor recruitment. So that's a story that hasn't really been told or the fact that it was women that really are foundational to this to this struggle. Yeah, to that end, I mean, women, you know, specifically working class and low-income women, uh, they played a huge role in, in building community uh, for, for Puerto Ricans in this city. And the exhibition, uh, it displays archival materials that showcase this. And, Professor, I hear you played a role in, in selecting some of the items. Yes. No, that was, that was so much fun. Um, I think... Uh, Carla and Iris came to me just asking 
certain questions about what might be some great visual representations of this. And one of the things that I was really excited about is the fact that they were actually able to get the letter, um, Elena Padilla, from Elena Padilla to Jesus Colon. So Elena Padilla was one of the graduate students who was at the University of Chicago. She was in her early 20s, maybe 19. She was studying anthropology there and wound up writing a master's thesis on Puerto Rican migration to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's the one that gets involved with the domestic workers. And in doing so, she actually starts to ask for to be kind of consulted and guided by Jesus Colon, who was a labor activist in New York City, a very important one. And so what that particular letter allows us to see is that these connections aren't just between Chicago and Puerto Rico, but New York also so that it also brightens, broadens, I should say, um, yeah. our conception of the diaspora. Carla, why include the work of, of historians and academics? So for me, again, it was important to have like a broader historical context. Um, while I was, you know, doing my research, and I have to mention Iris Colburn, like Merida did, um, curatorial associate who did so much work um, and research together with scholars um, for this section of the exhibition, um, that this this history is relatively unknown. And people ask me all the time, um, how did Puerto Ricans arrive in Chicago? Um, so I really wanted to present that alongside um, the artistic and that's something that became important um, as I started thinking about this exhibition, also because it's part of a larger initiative by the Terra Foundation for American Art mm-hmm. um, that is looking at historic migrations to Chicago. So, yes, we are a museum of contemporary art, but those um, artistic practices don't happen in a silo and don't happen in a historical vacuum. Yeah. So I really wanted to tell a larger story of Puerto Rican migration and activism to Chicago in Chicago. Yeah, you show um, how pamphlets and flyers and, and Spanish-language newspapers, how they served as an important role in connecting Puerto Ricans in the city, you know, connecting them to information and to resources, especially when they first got here. Right. Um, are some of these printed materials in conversation with the art in the exhibition? Was that the idea? Yeah, the, the idea is to have them in conversation to provide a historical context. There is one... Um, there's a couple of artworks in the exhibition that speak to some of that history. There's a installation by Beatriz Santiago Munoz that is looking at um, the sensorial unconscious, I would like to say, of the Fuerzas Armadas de Liberación Nacional, the FALN, Mm -hmm. which was an anti-colonial movement that had cells in Chicago, New York, and other places that was active here in Chicago in the 70s and 80s. So this Mm -hmm. um, video in particular, um, through three actors, imagines what would have happened in the safe houses where they had their meetings. So right in front of the video, there's archival material relating to the FALN and to all of the efforts um, to release the Puerto Rican political prisoners, which were led by um, organizations here on the ground in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Professor, you know, for a decade, 1947 to 1957, it was illegal in the U.S. to, to fly the Puerto Rican flag or to sing the island's national anthem. Uh, can you take us back to that time and tell us what it was like for Puerto Ricans on the mainland back then? And also clarify, why was the flag banned? So it was it was basically because of the nationalist movement. And so it was these ways in which people were, were perceived as terrorists, right, or they were perceived as kind of um, not grateful, right, for the position um, that they had been placed in by the United States. Yeah. And I do want to say something that is really beautifully done with the exhibition and, and talking about the flags is that 
the placement of Edra Soto's flags above um, the archival material, I think, really speaks to that um, in the ways in which the flags represent a reimagining of the Puerto Rican flag, of the Chicago flag, of the of the U.S. flag. And then to kind of think about the story of Puerto Ricans that are being told by the ephemeral material, it's actually a really beautiful conversation that's yes. going on. And to see those flags raised up so high, right, speaks to then their significance. You know, a lot of people think... Uh of Humboldt Park as uh, being synonymous with Puerto Ricans in Chicago. But Puerto Ricans, I mean, they established close-knit communities in, in several areas of the city, wouldn't you say, Professor? Yeah, yes. So there's a, there was a historic uh, community on Harrison Street, um, which, which with uh, redevelopment with urban renewal and the 290 and the establishment of the University of Illinois Chicago, um, that was totally destroyed. And so this is also was a community of where there was Puerto Ricans, African-Americans and Mexicans. And so you also start to see the split then of Mexicans moving um, to Pilsen and then Puerto Ricans moving to Humboldt Park. There was also the community of Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. which is beautifully captured by the photos um, of Carlos Flores. Right. And that one, again, urban renewal in that particular case. And then you do have my former colleague, um, Michael Rodriguez Munoz, who talks about the campaign of Humboldt Park No Se Vende, that starts to talk about um, anti-gentrification efforts uh, within Humboldt Park in the 90s and 2000s. And so I think that those those moments are captured um, in the images and then in the stories that are also being told in the audio. Yeah. What else can you tell us about the grassroots community-based organizations, Carla, that are represented in the uh, exhibition? I know you, we, we've seen stuff of the Spanish Action Committee of Chicago. Los Caballeros de San Juan, for example, which is a very early mm-hmm. group that supported um, yeah. Puerto Rican workers coming to Chicago. So imagine you coming from a tropical island to Chicago, um, not speaking English, right? Yeah. So there, there had to be some organizations um, to help them to adjust that gap for to sure. help them adjust to a new environment um, and to um, conditions of social and political exclusion as well. So there are historic photographs that document Los Caballeros de San Juan. Mm-hmm. Um, there are pins from the Spanish Action Committee, um, but there are also certain materials that um, tell that story of the political consciousness that uh, arose after the 1966 and 1977 um, rebellions. Mm-hmm. So after um, these uprisings. Uh, there was a sea of change in political consciousness, and um, many community organizations uh, rose out of this, including um, the Puerto Rican Cultural Center and so many others, right. um, even um, the Pedro Albizu High School. So there were a lot of different initiatives that were about self-actualization. So what were the needs that weren't being met mm-hmm. um, in Chicago, by the city of Chicago, and the community organized it themselves to meet their own needs. And it's still, exactly. And they are still organizing to meet their own needs. Before I let you go, Professor, take 30 seconds to tell us about this new project you're working on right now, because you're, you're documenting the aging of Puerto Ricans in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. So it's tentatively titled Migrations to Elderhood. And it really is trying to think about uh, the development of urban cultural forms. Um, beyond youth. And so I think we turn so many times to youth culture as a way to think about urban culture without thinking about what are the ways that older people, um, the way that they use neighborhoods, the ways that they engage with one another in urban spaces. And so that's really what the second project is is looking at. Yeah. 
We'll leave it there. Merida Rua is a professor in Latina and Latino studies at Northwestern University, also the author of A Grounded Identidad, Making New Lives in Chicago's Puerto Rican Neighborhoods. And Carla Acevedo Yates is the Maryland and Larry Fields curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago. Now, you can check out her exhibition, Entre Horizontes, Art and Activism Between Chicago and Puerto Rico. It's at the MCA right now. It's brilliant. It's through the first week of May in 2024. Carla, Professor, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sasha.